Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you. Welcome to another EuroLeague. I am joined, as always, by, of course, the stunning Mr. Kira and by another fellow Miracle Run enjoyer, of course, uh, and resident Syncroft scrim hater, for those that remember, Mr. God Gilius himself. Uh, how are you doing, Mr. Gilius? How is team life, team free life indeed treating you these days? Uh, life is going great. I'm still under contract with SK, so <clears throat> I still participate in some events of SK. Uh, I don't... It's Gamescom next week, is it? I believe. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to Gamescom, uh, going to play some one-on-ones with fans and take pictures. But yeah, basically I'm just being an influencer this year, uh, streaming every day, uploading on YouTube, uh, stuff like that. What have you influenced so far, Mr. Gilius? Any political movements? Any grand activism? What's, what's the uh, Gilius mantra? Well, I, I would not really call it influencer. Like, I think that word is kind of wrong, but like, that's what they call it nowadays. So I just went with it. But yeah, I'm just a streamer, YouTuber, social media guy right now. And oh. playing a lot of solo queue, staying in form, you know? Yeah, we will talk about that actually momentarily. But before we talk about anything League of Legends, we do have to get into my Would You Rather, which again, I've told another lie because it is a League of Legends related question again. Uh, and it goes as follows. Very topical, very at least on guest brand, let's say. And it goes like so. Would you rather, Gilius, have a perfect undefeated run in the LEC with a stat roster? I think like... <laughs> Fnatic 2015 kind of thing. Smash everyone. Go down as like one of the greatest Western teams of all time. You're probably not going to win Worlds or something like that. But, you know, very amazing, well-accomplished split. Or would you rather do what you guys set out to do once upon a time on Chalker and have the miracle run, but it actually ends in an LEC title. But, you know, you've had sort of averages teammates or whatever. And that's kind of, you know, the peak moment. But... No one really thinks you're that great. It's kind of like they just found the perfect storm and you won. So is it the perfect split? Amazing team. People think, wow, Gilius and those boys, that was one of the all-time great teams. Or is it, holy shit, they started 0-8 and then went on this crazy miracle run and won LEC. What do you think? What would you have rather? Honestly, both are really nice, but I think I would rather have the, the miracle run into winning the LEC. Because I I, th I think the, my value as a player went so high in that split when no one expected it. Like the next offseason, I had so many great offers from really strong teams, like both from EU and NA. And I think, yeah, I, I will take that chance again. <laughs> but having a perfect split uh, also sounds really nice. That's uh, something I've only accomplished in the <laughs> Challenger series so far. But yeah, um, mate, yeah, I'm pretty sure good. that fraud Rainover got a pretty high cash value after his perfect split on Fnatic. So, hey, Rainover you know. wasn't that much. No, no, no he, he, was, he, was, he was good for that split. He, he was, was good, yeah. He was, he was, he was. Um, but yeah, Kira, what are you thinking? What would you rather? Question, okay. So on the team that gets, that's in the Miracle one, can I be by far the best player? Or am I average as well? Uh, no, you're not average. You're like an important Pete. I would say, I'll put it like this. I would say you were like Gilius. You're like oh, the catalyst. That, You're like um, the catalyst. You know, I'm definitely for the taking, the, I'm taking the best one then. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I 
Oh, very. We don't like toxicity on this show, Mr. Kira. We don't, that don't... wasn't toxic. I'm just, I'm just saying that's that's not good enough. I'm saying the other one's better for me. But I would say, if I remember correctly, mate, it's hard to like look back at narratives. I think most people like Gilius was the catalyst, you know, because obviously they had it was Lurox, right? At first, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it was yeah. Lurox, and things were not going well. And then they do the roster change, and then things start going really well. So I do actually think that's one of those things where you probably felt pretty highly valued at the time, I would have thought, Gilius, right? Like, I'm pretty sure I remember everyone yep. saying, holy shit, this guy just, like, transformed the team. I think that was the... Yeah, yeah for sure. No, I, I, I was really hyped uh, from the whole community as well. And I actually got many fans uh, overseas as well after the split. Like, in China, people were talking about it. Because at the same time as I was doing the America Run, PP God was also doing it. And then I would get photoshopped into these pictures with PP God. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty cool. See, for yeah. my money, your best, not in terms of like what ended up happening, because obviously the Miracle Run speaks for itself, but I thought the coolest part of your career was that early season on Vitality when you were doing yeah. all like the early game level two shit. I was like, that's for me, that's like Pete Gillius. That's like broke the yeah. meta sort of thing. Like when you look back, is that like a. Uh, what are you sort of more proud of, I guess, like being an innovator, which I think it's fair to say you were like during that time, or do you prefer like looking back on the miracle run and, and how that went? I I prefer the vitality thing, I think always, because yeah. the way it, the my career like went, like I went to NA to play Challenger series over there and I did not promote. Uh, I got replaced by Dandy after that. Like, I yeah. was still in talks to play next year, but uh, the Korean mid laner, GB, GBM. He wanted to play with a Korean jungler, and then I basically became teamless. Um, and then, I don't know, God really loved me that year. Like, I, like Giants messages me if I want to play a Spanish League tournament. And then I went there, and back then they are like last place in the Spanish league. I went to the tournament and I won the tournament with them. And then the Giants management was instantly like, "Yo, we want to build our Challenger Series team around you for next split. Like, which players do you want to play with?" Um, and I really like Jizuka and Mini Trupax. And then I don't know, just building this whole thing up. Like, we were the underdogs in the Challenger Series. Like, the predictions were we're gonna be last place. And there was teams like Red Bull, Schalke, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Paris Saint-Germain, which had like a, a lot of budget with like really good players. Yeah, they and had we... um, Son of Kasang and Kasang on it, didn't they? Kasang? That was Red Bull, yeah. wasn't it? Red Bull? No. Was that, oh no, that was Red Bull. PSG had yeah. the Koreans with yeah. Yellowstar on it, didn't it? No, you... no? no, no, Yellowstar was not playing. But basically, I no, Yellowstar was the, the guy, the GM of that team. I oh, think. it was a GM. Oh, okay, I've got no. Yeah, sub in at one point. Am I? I don't know. Actually, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, go on. Digress. And, and and then basically we went on a we went to do a perfect split with the lowest budget team with the most random names. We just like destroyed everyone, and then I get got really big offers for next year of LCS because. Uh, like I was like kind of the star of the team where like I got also MVP of the Spanish league that year. And then uh, 
Vitality basically kind of asked me like which players I want to play with again and then I got the opportunity to bring them all over to Vitality in a team with a lot higher budget and nicer like we just had more stuff you know like yeah. nice gaming house everything was good and then yeah like we just did that big run right um unfortunately it, it ended badly for me mm -hmm. but the team made worlds in the in that year and i think i was a big part of that process yeah for sure so obviously again to reiterate for people who who don't know you then sort of taken a bit of a break now um but as you say like i've seen your you know pretty decently high lp like what is the current plan like what are you looking to do sort of going into into next year uh so right now my plan is to like so i've streamed for a year and i've enjoyed it a lot like since i'm under contract with sk i'm obviously not allowed to co-stream yeah so that could be one thing i might want to do in the future like co-streaming and basically going big with youtube and twitch with the numbers um but as of right now i'm trying to hit rank one on eu vest and try to get as good as offers as possible from erl slash lec for next year um but i think i would not accept erl offers where the team is not in my liking like the roster yeah like I, if if i'm gonna play erl next year it must be a team where i can win the league and eu masters and have a low buyout um basically to then just jump into LEC for the next split. Like when I when I play again and crush everybody, I want to have the opportunity to go LEC and basically destroy everyone on LEC again. Yeah, no, fair enough. And that is just a, a small but obvious tidbit for obviously any player who thinks they're sort of borderline LEC ERL. If you think that you might not get the LEC offer you want, whatever team you join, make sure you do have an easy out to join an LEC team. Because ERL teams will often be like, well, why would we let you go to a rival? Yeah, no problem. Just let me go LEC if I get an offer for you know, yeah. a reasonable amount. And I think that is a good template to have. Right, let's get in to uh, the LEC itself for now. And I want to ask you, before we get into these games, Gilius, about the LEC schedule. Because obviously now we have the main schedule is over. Obviously, we've got the finals left to be played. But as a player, having watched LEC this year, like, what do you think of, of the schedule? You did, didn't, of course, play it this season yourself, but do you like the changes? Do you prefer the old system? Would you change anything? What do you think of it? So, first of all, I think the changes are better than what we had before because of just, like, higher volume of games. But I still think the system is terrible uh, compared to LPL because, like, I've been watching so much LPL this year and I'm I'm starting to see um like big differences in gameplay also in like just so hype. do you what do you watch the lower level lpl yeah i also watch that yeah because i used to mate right i i've watched lpl since its conception almost every single series i can't bring myself to do it anymore like i genuinely i cannot do it like i it's i too cannot much, yeah. Yeah, it's too much. And I even, because I also watch LDL as well. Even if there's a good LDL player who promotes onto a good LPL team, I know his teammates are so fucking dog shit that he's not even going to get to do anything because these teams, yeah. some of the teams are so fucking bad. Like, for in the context of LPL. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, I just think, like, you at least have the opportunity to choose, I guess, what you watch, right? Yeah. And there's so many bangers, like, so many best of trees you don't want to miss out on. Um... But yeah, back, coming back to LEC, I think the format changes are better, uh, but I think they still can be improved. And I think... What do you think they should be, Gilles, then? 
Like, I, I think we need more slots in the league, even right. though it's going to suck for the owners mm. and for the people who invest a lot of money into having only 10 teams. I think on, in the long run, it's going to make our league a lot better if we have a lot, like, more teams I agree and more personalities in the league. Like, there's so many insanely good players um, not playing right now in the LEC, unfortunately, because we don't have enough slots. So I think that could make the league in the long run much more valuable, even though it's going to suck for the owners, obviously, um, to lose some value, right, in their slots. Yeah, cool. no, I agree. I definitely agree with that. I, I wouldn't go too overboard. Like, I think I would do a very slow expansion, maybe even just stop at 12. But I think for sure two more teams should be added based on, like, the volume of talent we have at the moment. In terms of, from, like, a player perspective, Gilius, I wanted to ask you, do you think, because this is, like, an on-running question that people always discuss, like, in the community, do you think the number of games actually impacts the level you can get to? So what I mean by that is, like, obviously in LEC, we only play nine best-of-ones to start with, and then most of the teams play the GSL best-of-threes and playoffs and so on. Obviously in LPL... As you guys both talked about, they play a shit ton of games, loads of best of threes. Do you think if you had the opportunity to play like more, a higher volume of games, do you think that makes you a better player or do you think it doesn't really matter as long as you're scrimming a lot? Yeah, I think it definitely makes you a, lot, a better player. Like for me as a player, the official games were always the, the best practice <clears throat> I could get because official games are really different from scrim games. Like just the pressure of... Uh, like both teams having to win, right? Or wanting to win. Um, in scrims, it can sometimes be like, just like focusing on practice, right? And yeah, I, I just think volume, like for me as a player, it would be a lot more beneficial to just become a lot better going into an in international event, just try out a lot of stuff more. Um, and yeah, like when you have more games, there's more things being tested in the game as well like what works and what doesn't work and you get more chances to come back standings wise so i think it's better i mean kira what's what's your Bonjour. take what's your take on that like how so, what would you change if anything so here's the thing under the implications that riot because they are very slow to change things they're like glaciers right that 10 teams is a self self limitation right okay and the fact that the games are on saturday sunday monday right they are a self-imposed limitation i am now convinced this middle bit of the GSL, the best of three part, is the worst. It is the worst part of the league, right? And I'll tell I'll tell you why. I would literally make the league double BO3 round robin into BO5 elimination bracket. That's what I would make it. And that's how I would do the league from here on out. I think that is a better improvement. But what what are you what's your metric for improvement? So when you say that, obviously you, Kira, would like to see that. Do you Because think I think BO ones also... is the anything that gets rid of BO ones is still better. Because I think BO ones is still the worst version of League of Legends that you can play. And I can understand teams' frustrations of not being able to like get not having a lot of time to like get things together. Now, like fucking world smile small violin for shit players, but um, like, I, I actually do get that. So you keep the quality of the format high because you're doing double round robin BO3s, you know what I mean? And even if you're, like, bad in the first round robin, just through, like, game score, if you're dominant on the second, you know what I mean? You can still, like, make it through. And another thing is I still, like, believe, like, the way to, like, filter out, like, upper lower brackets should mainly still just be, like, left at, like, like seeded and then BO5s. Like, the fact that... There is only really like one, two, it's like three 
Beal sat fives at the end of the season, yeah? Uh, well, the whole playoff system onwards is BO5, right? Like, all those... No, yeah, no, that's grand final here is BO5, right? That, that's a completely different thing. But, like, the actual, like, split ends, it's only three BO5s, isn't it? Is it? No, because you no? have... You no, have no. no, I don't think so. Because you have the two teams who were top waiting for the winners of the two teams below them when they get... No, no, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. It's, uh, it's, four, it's four BO5s, right? Okay. Two lower, uh, two upper, right? But you can sometimes like win the like the split and like just two bo fives, and I don't like that as much as I like like LPL, where it's actually a much like greater like depth of play, um, and you ha play against a higher amount of the higher concentration of the top teams. Like you know, for example, G two beat XL twice, which under the format that's fine because XL was the best teams both times. But I would have liked to have seen you know like G two stress tested against like more of the field rather than like. Them just beating the same team twice, sure. and, and and so like a, a more open Bo5 bracket that's seeded by double round robin Bo3, I think would be an overall improvement. I mean, oh, sorry, Nico. I mean, I, I it's not G2's fault that Excel just beat the other teams, right? No, no, it's like, um... exactly. This has nothing to do with like the teams. I'm just saying in terms of like what I actually think would improve like the actual like overall like product to of oh, okay, okay. Uh, more entertainment. Overall, yeah. yeah, like more entertainment, and it would arguably be more competitive, but that's how you'd yeah. have to expand yeah. a lot of concepts. To, to yeah. play Devil's Advocate, the reason why it is how it is and why I believe it won't change is because they are under the impression, and I assume this is backed by data, that BO1s are the most popular regular season format for Western viewers, and that whether it's a, we all have ADHD or whatever it is, like we can get hyped about like one game because everything's on the line in that one specific game. And I think that's why they've done it how they've done it. And my only issue with that is when they stress tested like series play, they did that BO2, if you remember. I think Gilius was actually playing in those splits when uh, you mm -hmm. guys had to play best. <laughs> and those were horrible where you could have like draws and everything. Disgusting. Like, really, yeah. really bad. So maybe they didn't try out like the absolute best alternative but i believe their fit well i know actually that their theory on this is bo1s are best for you viewership retention for western audiences and that's why they do it i would i would challenge under only one premise i actually think a lot of viewership in eu and na which is another thing was actually tied to how well any given team could do at Worlds. I actually think a lot of it is a lot more performative than people thought. Because I reflect, I've watched all of it, right? And I've seen the numbers across all. I've not gotten the data in front of me. I would be interested to see if how I feel like correlated like with the data. Like for example, like the TSM teams had double of Bjergsen on them, and the TL teams had double of Jensen on them. Right? Those were like popular teams to watch because you had actually seen them beat IG. You'd actually seen them like go to Worlds and like do well, and you know what I mean. They fucked up and all. I mean, there was a lot of hype for those like rosters. Okay. I think you've got a correlation causation issue here though, where it's like usually the best players are the most popular and then the most popular get the most viewership, and it just happens that those things are usually intertwined, right? Yeah, like, but, but, G2 were but, not popular team to watch before they won their first LEC split, and then yeah, it snowballed, you know? Yeah, th th and that's the, that's the point. It's like Mad Lions have won a bunch of LEC splits, right? The oh, I would not... I mean, that's true, that is true. Right? Yeah, that's a good right? point. Mad, yeah. Lions, Mad Lions have won a bunch of LEC splits, right? And they also... Um, 
won a bunch. Uh, they also done well against Damwon and then didn't do well at Worlds, right? Okay, but no one I see, basically most Mad Lion fans seem to have just converted into fucking humanoid and fanatic fans in some weird like sardonic way. Um, I don't know. I, I as I said, I need to see the data, but I actually get the feeling that like at any given period of time when people are watching regions, and that's why people have kind of like drifted and they've got like less vested interest and in, like some of these like things like to do with their time because you it's like the you know the self-flagellation you know what the end result's going to be if you're from na it's like oh this c9 team this tsn team's doing xyz go to worlds zero six one five two four no i do i do I, agree that's yeah. part of it sorry gongolis um I, I i think it also has to do with uh how you basically promote your your team like when you're winning like i don't think mad lions did a great job of yes. like selling the team that well like when you watch uh g2 content wise like the way they snowballed their success yeah it's like Nightmare. so crazy honestly like i i i'm a g2 fan even as well you know it's like i watch all their content it's just fun to watch their videos and their content and like on social media they have a big presence as well and nowadays that is actually so huge when it comes to viewership like how many people hype up the games um beforehand or how much anticipation goes into the the matches yeah and i, I yeah I, I think g2 just did a really good job overall yeah koi, but, do, so, koi were like mad as well though they did a rubbish job yeah, of, here's, uh, yeah terrible yeah. but here's the for example say that like the koi lineup right okay like the theoretical coin lineup that everyone was talking about with a lawyer larson Odo and all that right you know that like a very good there was another good like koi right it would like, be pushing and making the region like a lot more like one of the things i actually think that hurt this year was basically like the dominance of like g2 where it was like a, some sort of like an inevitability now i understand mad lions won one of the splits but that was every every single person knew understood that when they rematched the msi it was going to be like an absolute like bloodbath right and then you know there was a lot of hype bound about up around like xl it just seems like a slow inevitability around it reminds me of the old SKT rocks tigers where like rocks would like dominate the year but then you always knew it come playoffs yeah. like they were just going to sit at the terrible end of that bo5 in the final SKT play beats them the other one would be what they called the not phoenix players the griffin griffin yeah the griffin guys like they, they had the same like uh you know disease yeah oh, um, it's true it's like but it, to your point yeah if koi had kept their lineup from last year and then like put El Yoya in or something like that, then yeah, I think the final would have had much better viewership. Let's put it that way. I think people would have seen that as being close. But anyway, yeah, let's talk about these series because I do think that some of these aren't necessarily going to go the way everyone might think they go. You've got a visitor there, Kira, flying across your screen. Yeah, it's been my absolute <laughs> fucking box. <bottom. laughs> anyway, so yeah, the first game or series is a rematch uh, of Mad versus XL. Now, according to Mr. Crepo, who went on someone's stream and uh, said something or whatever, mad looking shit hot. So maybe this isn't going to be the landslide that everyone thinks it's going to be. Again, scrim data can be false data, can be misleading. Who knows? And let's be real, if Mad's only been screaming SK, you know, doesn't necessarily also, mean shit, right? Crepo also explain to them how they're winning in these scrims. I'd like to know that. Like, like, I, don't, I, don't I, I, I don't think he was willing to listen uh, to uh, leak anything uh, to, to, you know... Just leaks that they're winning. Uh, well, to be honest, no, I, think, I... I think this is just my take. 
I think Romaine. I think Romaine has started a bad precedent of this scrim leaking malarkey. Like I know it's like holding people accountable or whatever with cancelling, but you don't know. Like someone could have had like really bad food poisoning. I, I think listing like these are all the teams that cancelled on us and how many times. I think that's pretty. I'm not not a fan of that to be honest. Yeah, but, good. Uh, whatever. Yeah, skill issue, <laughs> I guess. Uh, anyway, so yeah, ironically, yeah. yeah, mad mad versus XL. So. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I want to ask you, Gilius, about Mr. Alyoya, who obviously, I think in a historical context now, is probably like one of the best junglers we've ever had over like a long period of time. Multiple, multiple uh, LEC winner, of course, but did not quite look like himself. I think that's fair to say this last split. Is there any reason why you think this might be the case? Or like, what do you think is different about MAD or what magic have they lost? And why, why do you think Alyoya is not looking quite as good as he did before is he playing differently in your eyes um i i like in my eyes i see him as a little bit of an emotional player that can have really high highs which is insanely valuable going into inter international events where his ceiling is really high but he can also have like i guess emotional moments where when things are not going great he also plays worse um and I think this year, I think Hillisung had like not the greatest like year so far. Like usually Hilly, Hilly is really on, on or off, you know, and he can be the MVP or he can be the like just like not doing that great. And I think it's like kind of a snowball of many things. Like um, I think their drafts were really weird. Uh, Hilly not performing that well, Alioya not performing that well. Um, yeah, I kind of just lost uh, my train of thought here. But yeah, basically, I, I just think this three-week break is like a miracle for Mad Lions. Yeah. They can like all go home, see their families, completely reset their minds, uh, come back to a fresh patch and actually just maybe be even the best on the patch. You know, like you can watch so much stuff over three weeks of top teams. The meta is not, it's, it's, it's going to change, but it's not changing that drastically. Like we go still, you, you have so much time to practice Azir, Rel, Nautilus, Alistar, like all the meta stuff. And if they clean up their, their bad, bad early games, I think they can for sure contest. Gilius, what do you, uh, sorry, Kira, what do you think of uh, Mad? Do you think they have a decent chance in, obviously we've not been specking the scrims, but do you buy that maybe they can overcome XL? I would like to know what's going on in these fucking scrims, by the way, because all I ever hear is like, fucking Fnatic's doing well in scrims, G2's doing terrible in scrims, Mad Lion's doing well in scrims, and then you go on stage and it's like XL are winning, and you're just like, mm. like, what's, what, what's happening? No, what, like... Abadagi is just the fucking the on stage king now. That's that. You know, he got yeah. over his choking, choking issues. He just now just dominating people on stage. They can't stop him. I, I got most of the time when I hear like stuff of like scrims, was, I basically just take it all as like basically bullshit. To be honest, as I said, you take any two teams and you add their scrim result number together, it's a gr number greater than a hundred. <laughs> that just tells you it always is. It'll always be a number greater than a hundred. So. Uh, yeah, I agree with Gillis. A lot. It's a blessing for Mad that they've got three weeks to like mentally reset, refocus. They've got like an objective that is obtainable. They're in the upper bracket. Um, you know what I mean. These are all positives for them. Uh, I don't think their opening matchup is unbeatable. And remember, it's only one bo five one, and you go to Worlds. You know what I mean. Yeah. So like, 
I think beating XL is in within their grasp. Do I think they will? With what was shown, and if you look at the kind of the patch they're playing out, they would need like a big turnaround. Um, a lawyer, like for example, a lawyer doesn't really beat junglers sometimes over the head the way like Yike does. A lawyer is a bit more, I would say, like lane focused. He's more like a Yankos. Where you like, you know, I mean, in the finals, they got like um, Chasey ahead like lots, and then they, they used that advantage together. That's how being a lawyer's game. Uh, can he like get back onto that? You know what I mean? I think it's a lot harder. I think Cardi's been playing very, very well. I think that's like the biggest blessing uh, for Mad Lions, is there's not. And if you had Cardi, Hale, Aloya, and then Chase is just a bad player. So if you had those three all just being unstable and inconsistent, I think they'd be fucked. But it looks like Cardi's been relatively stable, and so you've only kind of got to flatten out Hilly and Aloya's like gameplay. And I trust Aloya a lot more to get it together a lot more than uh, Hilly. I think if you look at the way Aloya was bad, it was quite perplexing. Like if you, like he's like team fight position on Poppy. There's that famous one where they're against XL, and he's like he sees like the rail, and he's standing on the wrong side of the team fight to stop him entering the team fight. Like simple stuff like that. Um, That's the weirdest thing for me with El Yoyo is like his early pathing still seems to be pretty good, but then he was like making inexcusable random mistakes like around mid, especially a lot, just getting yeah his skirm his yeah. skirmishing and his skirmishing and team fighting was the worst it's ever been in his career, and that's usually something mostly team fighting gets better. Sometimes skirmishing regresses with mechanics as time goes on, but that's not really a problem with a lawyer. Um, the weirdest one, actually, the big one props for Mad is uh, what they call it, their mid laner, Niski, was actually their best player in playoffs, and he was playing like some of the best individual league mm. he had played like all year. Like he was actually he gave Abadagi the hardest time that Abadagi yeah. had until the final. Yeah. No, like, Niski was super legit. So that the, the, like basically what you're asking, wanting what you're asking for here is a, a, a lawyer to basically get his game plan, get him together. Cards to continue to be stable and, you know what I mean, uh, Niski to continue at his level, I think there is a chance. Saying that, I, even at that, with what XL showed, there's nothing to say that XL can't get better and iron out their problems. I would still say XL's favoured, even if Mad showed all those improvements. Sure. Hey, Gillis, obviously you played with uh, a bunch of the guys on, on XL uh Abadage, I believe you were and limit overlap as well on Schalke. Um Odo of course. Like are you surprised at all by XL's level and that these guys are able to, you know, reach finals and, and contest, you know, they went five games of G two. Does any of this surprise you or do you feel like these are just players who have certain qualities and you're not really that surprised? Um <clears throat> I like looking at the roster, like in in hindsight, I wouldn't be that surprised, right? Like uh, I think Patrick has always been strong, strong player. Like when he finds a meta, he's comfortable in. He performs really well. I also think the the way the meta shifted this year was like extremely good for um, uh, for Excel. Like Azir being strong, um, Rel Alistair coming back into meta was a blessing for Limit because I I don't think he's that great on range supports. Um, and Odo just started performing really like Odo is that kind of guy. When the team starts playing good, he just levels up and starts smurfing too, and instant like suddenly he becomes a win condition as well. 
So I think all the pieces fell really well together and their coach seems to do good drafts right now. Uh, also, Peach really surprised all of us. I mean, we were flaming him for weeks in the co-streams because he, he was playing horribly, right? Like what, it was. What's your, yeah, what's your overall opinion on Peach as a player? Because obviously he's someone who divides opinion a lot. Like, How do you see Peach as a jungler? I think he's really mediocre, but he has this thing about him when he gets a lead in the early game he can really carry that till the end of the game, the thing game. <laughs> the lead thing game was crazy yeah. i mean I, I i was shocked honestly i, I didn't even know he plays lee you know but um he Four seems to be a Sindel. how consistent does that happen though Gilles? and the way and the way he got it was crazy like yeah it was, it was crazy so... Yeah, I was like, even the, I was like, did that look replicable? Did it look designed? Like, <laughs> but then, on the other hand, I also saw how Peach played in a BO5 where he's getting outjungled by Yike, and where he just completely shuts down. And like, he's definitely like, has to fight with his emotions um, when he's like not doing that well, and he seems to be kind of a tilty player. But other than that, I think that Excel roster is like really uh yeah it's just good like it works so i have one more question on this because we've asked other other people about this as a jungler like my understanding is again this is coming from from abba from last episode he said that peach basically doesn't speak english or like it's very mm -hmm. you know limited or whatever as a jungler can you even imagine being on a team where you don't speak the language of the other players like do you, do you ever see that being yeah. something where that, that could pay off like does that make even any sense? Like, I think you like to talk quite a bit. Like, how do you see that? Yeah, I, I think it's horrible for best of fives. Yeah. Um, but I think they they have players in their team who can like communicate uh, more than they should, and they can basically like Odo is really good at just telling the jungler what to do on the map. <laughs> even when Odo is weak side, he will still make a good plan for his jungler to play around bot. Like where when Odo is like realistic, when he knows he we can't two v two, he like sends you bot, sends you mid. So he's like, I, I think Odo can help a lot, and I think Abadaga uh, over the years like really leveled up like communication wise. At the start of his career, he was really silent. Yeah. When I started with him, but he's like, a, I guess he just became a man. You know, he looks really different as well now. True, he's yeah. like a lot more talkative. Fucking Mulan training video, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think this jungle meta is perfect uh, to have a Korean jungler. Uh, basically, Sejuani, Maokai, um, like just spam those, you know. Uh, like really easy to play. The game, the team can just basically plan where to go. So I, th I think it's easy, but I, I think for the future, it's not going to be that great <laughs> to have a jungler that doesn't uh, speak. Like... It might limit them in the future, you know? Yeah, this is one thing where, obviously, you know, I don't know the full ins and outs, whatever, but this is where I feel it's not quite the same, but this is like the G2 situation when they won LEC with Kickis top, Hybrid, Emperor bot lane, and then they did the big ball move of, like, we don't care if we're champions, like, we know we can upgrade here. Obviously, XL haven't won LEC, but, you know, they did very well. This is... I would be worried for XL if they sort of sat back in off-season and were like, we're good. Because we did like, uh, no, they, 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 they need a new need, jungler. Yeah, they need to yeah. uh, upgrade. Like, like I, I think limit it, limits like a hard one because I feel like he has played legitimately really well. I'm just a bit worried, like you, that he's a bit of a meta slave, maybe like uh, to certain like that. 
Um, yeah, sure. I mean, support's a weak role in, in Europe for sure. But yeah, like, exactly. yeah, jungle, if they don't change jungle, I think I'm going to be a bit a bit sad. I think that's a... I mean, the, the thing about Peaches, he's not like the Korean jungler that comes into our, le our league and he's better than our yes. best European junglers. He's really not that guy. Yeah. Like European junglers for years, I mean, we can always do well with Koreans and you're bringing over Peach, who is like... Not oh, even the best. Uh, no, I, no, I mean, he, I don't know. Like for He's me, it seems if he played for Unicorns of Love, he seems to me to a jungler like he was not even good enough to play Challenger Series in Korea. That's at least what I would assume, because he played for Unicorns of Love, and usually the Koreans who go there are Koreans who are third tier. They're like no, not first, second. They're third tier. So yeah, that's at least my opinion. But if Peach like completely smurfs now, makes it to Worlds, like. I'm ha really happy to change my opinion on them. Quite one it was last. DRX is DRX challengers. Uh, DRX. Okay. Yeah. DR no, I'm just saying like that as a hanging out fact. But he could be getting replaced on that team, and he ends up on Unicorns of Love. Like that's how he could end up there. I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm. Most. Well, I mean, that's most likely probably what did happen. I would. I would imagine. I don't. I don't know though. That's pure guess. But let me just throw this at you, uh, Gilius. What about XL Bow? How are you feeling about XL Bow? <laughs> Because this is my theory on this, right? You've got a safe, like you're a crack addict, a safe weak side top laner who doesn't need like shitloads of resources. Bo excels on like the hard carry style, and his champion pool is like fitted around playing with a top laner who can do that. Abba also very stable in lane, right? Doesn't need like to fucking smurf and get super far ahead early. What do you think about XL Bow? Is that a good shout or or is the Bow experiment just dead at this point already? No, I, 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 I love it. I think I think Abadaga and Bow would fit each other really well like in their playstyles. Um, I, I can see that really working. It's also a big upgrade over Peach uh, when it comes to other metas. Yeah. Hopefully this jungle meta doesn't stay like this for the next two years and we see all these Dejuanis and Maokais just like getting carried. Like hopefully some skill comes back, right? Yeah. Um, know, it's a European though problem though, Gilles. Like go look if you look at the LPL and you look at like um, Zun, the obviously the infamous yeah. BLG jungler, for like a majority of the time where uh, Maokai and Sejuani were very high prior, Zun had uh, Kindred permaband against him. Like, mm -hmm. even by the best teams in the world, GDG would not let June play Kindred. But, and that was, and like other teams have tried to play Kindred. Like, it's not, I looked at this meta, I, I think people have somewhat hyper focused or kind of like put themselves into thinking that like it's just like Sejuani, like Malka, like dominant. When it, in a lot of ways, I don't think it actually has to be. I think it's a way out. When you go. I think it's like a liability to draft these champs right now. Like, when, when tanks are super OP. Like, it's not like they are just tanks and they are easy to play and they just press their ultimate and they're useful. They're also clear extremely fast. That's why they're OP. Like, Sejuani's mm -hmm. clear speed is, like, and Mauka, they're, like, crazy fast, right? Uh, same for Ivan. Like, the utility he can provide to his team and the pace in which he can clear and move around the map is, like, really OP. So, I, 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 would, I would usually agree, like, when tanks are not that great at clearing, um, like you can play carries and you can beat them, but right now the meta is really stale, I think. But I would rage that I believe, like, for that, Maokai and like, um, Ivern are like insane. Like, when I watch them, I'm like, like, Maokai is actually like carrying fights just in terms of damage yeah. alone. Like, obviously, the famous like Tarzan Maokai 
insane one of the best like carry picks and it's reductive lens attack right but not really Ivern the same it's like game breaking and enchanter and jungle okay i guess they're not but, tanks yeah <laughs> yeah but here's the thing when i actually when you it's just because you said sejuani but when i actually watch sejuani and i actually look at like what it's doing take like arguably the best when he's playing well uh jungle in the world Kanavi, and you look at like what he's doing on like wait what he's how he's using like sedge it's like not reductive but like it's um it's very like basic you know what i mean it's not some like yeah. it's like it, it's not like they're using it, like lots of other like not lots but other champions like could be there all the same and you w don't actually have to have played like that i don't think watch... so really I, yeah like I, I like once you lock in sejuani the enemy top laner starts sweating in draft he goes on a complete like there's like water running down his uh forehead like oh we gotta ban um all these melee tops that are op yeah. with sejuani yeah otherwise yeah otherwise we can't contest herald guys the game will end so like just drafting why sejuani puts you in such a good place like enemy top will start yeah, banning two melees you, there's like renekton Jax, all these op champs aatrox who are these are the strongest top lane champs and they match best with seju and, and, again, but, yeah. but what was is like you go watch for example the series of like gdg they didn't ever they, they won the game not even doing that like they didn't even use sejuani to do that now yeah. everyone here would agree gdg are arguably the best team in the world 100 yeah. they do not think they do not use sejuani like that i can i have watched, i've watched every single game they don't use sejuani like that they rarely ever use sejuani in that way now i agree with you that is that is a potent part of sejuani's kit but for some strange reason they don't do that. Like, yeah, because they just picked Sejuani away. Like, that was their whole strategy. They just didn't I want the enemy it, team. I because it away. Match it. Like, the enemy... To uh, they, they didn't want the enemy jungler to get Sejuani because their top laner was actually willing to play these carry champs. And uh, JDG's top laner just wanted to play tanks. So they were like, yeah, let's uh, take Seju away from them. Let's put 369 on his tanks and just play bot side and win and they just did that you know hmm. yeah so uh what do you think by the way before i move on kira on my bow xl shout are you a fan i think bone needs to learn about like objective prio and like lane prio and then he can like where play. better place to learn than the kings of macro arguably no xl yeah, yeah if anyone can teach him those things but they're it's shocking like i can't tell if he was just insanely tilted at the end of team vitality or what you know what's or interesting no, or he just doesn't understand the concept you know what's interesting uh, is it on mobilitics i think gilius where you can get that graph where it shows like the little hexagon thing of like uh vision fighting or whatever for junglers if you look at bows it's literally maxed out on everything i know that doesn't like mean huh. that much but like his uh statistically at least his understanding of like what he should be doing in jungle apparently is like literally perfect so like Damn. my contention is basically that part of it is maybe not having some fundamentals when it comes to competitive style games but i think it's mainly if i had to guess a motivational thing i think he's a young guy who was put in a really rough situation doesn't speak the language properly the team goes to complete shit. he probably wasn't super happy mentally like I'm not surprised that he seemed to know less about the game the longer the season went on, you know? Like, I think there was probably some mental block. I mean, uh, like, I, I actually had the chance to, to talk to him and ask him some questions at the uh, okay. LEC party. And I asked him how it was to play with Doimby. 
and he basically like his whole mood just changed you know mm. it's like oh my god Doinby Doinby the... pinged him about the map no he told, he told me it's a dream to play with Doinby you yeah. just he said all you have to do as a jungler playing with Doinby like just be a jungler and solo queue do your camps kill somebody like um make just just have the mechanics to kill, to kill people in 2v2s right and i think that was like really good guidance for him during in china he was a rookie coming in right i, I think that was his first games ever right yeah he played first 10 games, games yeah. on uh, yeah he also played an ldl as well ah okay i didn't know that but yeah, yeah he yeah. was like smurfing right with doing b like <laughs> Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He was he was smurfing with Doinby, but if, if you look, like, the problem is, 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 like, what version of a bow are you attempting to emulate? Like, are you attempting to emulate, like, solo queue bow, or are you attempting to emulate bow who played competitive, like, two years ago? Because they're, like, they're both very distinct, like, peak players. You know what I mean? They're, like, I get a solo queue bow, I like wanted to say... play AD carry, to be honest, in this region. The guy's a fucking monster. I'm pretty sure. Oh, man, he... He would be yeah, top five sure. AD carry, for sure, in LEC. 100%. Like, 100%. No yeah. doubt. But, because when I was talking about bow coming to this league, the same way as I was, like, when... If you were to ask me about other, like, LDL prospects or, like, people... When you watch them, like, a lot, like... Obviously, bow's very, like, skilled... Is like very good. You think a lot of these um, concepts would like translate better. So I, I would like to have known what was going on in like Team Vitality for why somebody like Bo who looks like they can they have been able to like uh, like learn like a variety of different like game styles um, and like uh, be like shown like a across like a, lots of years of, like League of Legends like basically didn't like do so well in like Team Vitality. Because... I, I, I... I, I just think Perks like uh, really disappointed me this this year. Like he was picking a new champion every game. He was like, the, I, he wasn't yeah. like he was so wild in his approach to the game. Like usually Perks understands the meta and just plays the OP champs and just like bring some consistency into the team, you know, be the guy in mid who plays Azir every game. So your team can learn how to play with Azir and bring some stability. Like, um, but like, I, I just saw Perks picking a new champ every, every week and just these wild 2v2s, these crazy ass fights that were losing the game. And I think if Perks was the stable point of vitality, they could have turned it around easily. Like once, like if if perks is playing good and holding his uh the mid lane like really well going even whatever uh, or like slightly ahead jungle gets so much freedom support comes in later because they're playing into bot side anyway they will free up kaiser uh you have i guess a guy who doesn't fit into the team at all on top lane for vitality the guy wants to play carries every game uh he i guess he doesn't understand that he's in a team with upset where he could just play Orn and like all these tanks just do well on lane i mean you're you're asian bro you will go even with the eu tops on a tank let upset carry just play bot side but chasey was just too wild as well i think Chase that was uh, oh, sorry photon. what was photon photon, photon. It's okay uh sorry i had the mid lines right. <laughs> okay. yeah basically I, I think photon really like was a terrible fit into that team i think he's a good player yeah. I, I think so too, but he's just on the wrong team. Yeah, he's on the wrong team. But here's the problem, right? Okay, and I, I might blow you away. Uh, the also the same applies to upset. Like, upset can also, like, chill out. Because Kaiser's, like, Kaiser upset 
even independent of like jungle positioning, weren't doing like things. I know we've kind of like digressed, but I say I think yeah. independent of um what jungle was doing. I don't think Kaiser upset were like that efficient as other two v two, and I mainly blame that on Kaiser. I don't think Kaiser was particularly good at any period of time across all the teams of Vitality. It's a bot um, meta though, so you have to play to bot. And really. dragons, yeah, yeah I agree. Have I to. think so. Like yeah, I agree. They especially like they weren't playing the two v two like well at all. Um, but yeah. you, like Photon has to be the one to compromise because top lane's fucking useless role. Like <laughs> bot lane. You, you want, I'm not gonna go into this, but I I think that's actually a bit, bit of a, like a whole thing. Like it, oh, you, you, dis you disagree. You disagree with that, right? That, that you yeah, have yeah. to play through bot. Okay, fair enough. But like yeah, but as, I, as a I, region, I yeah, that's that. that'll yeah, be a long right. that'll be a long combo. But yeah, as a yeah. region, we've kind of decided to play through bot. I suppose so. No, one hundred percent in EU. Don't try and be a carry top laner if you want mm. to have a long and successful career. Like yeah. it's just not like all the teams of like group think and to saying something. But as I was saying, if you look, just to go back to the original point before I derail us too much. If Bo, basically a lot of dog shit people have been given multiple chances in EU, like fucking Finn's still somehow allowed to play, like there's so many like bad players, right, okay? I'm sure we can find a space for like Bo, like whatever. It is yeah, what he's it too is. talented like, not to get another like, shot. Like Nuclear yeah. Inc got another shot, like Certus got another shot when he was terrible, like there's lot, there's been lots of like people who had problems in their gameplay who were given like more time to like iron out now you know set like nuclear in at one point was being called one of the best mid laners in the league in spring think about how crazy that was i mean he was playing well like nuclear in play had no, a decent patch certus had think a decent the, patch yeah but think about the previous like the year before yeah, nuclear yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, if, you, yeah. if you give bow like another season yeah, just to see, sure. we, you know what i mean like yeah. think about bow's upside right bow's upside is he, he could be the best jungler in the world. He might be one of the best jungler could players be the in the best world. That's in the like, league, yeah. like, that's his upside. Nuclear's inside is he's not getting fired next week. Like mm -hmm. that's like who we're talking sure. about. Cool, but yeah, let's so let's move on to uh, the other series that we know that's happening, which is BDS versus G two. Obviously, most people would have this as a very heavily G two favored uh, matchup. Again, Gilius, I want to start with you on on the jungler on this one because Shio, who is a rookie and obviously lots of people who watch LEC don't necessarily watch the ERLs. Um, I think he was pretty good in the ERLs without being like crazy insane or whatever. Um, when he came in, and especially in his spring, I thought he was playing really well. Do you think he's another player who maybe suffered from meta changes? Or what do you think happened with Shio? Because obviously we've not seen the same Shio this split that we saw last split, who was arguably one of the better, better performing junglers last split. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was surprised when Shio did so well in his first split. Uh, it was amazing how good he was playing. Um, I never thought that highly of him in solo queue. Like, uh, he was always just really toxic and just giving up fast and just flaming everyone. So when I saw him perform worse again, I was kind of thinking to myself, it kind of makes sense. It's like that guy doesn't take solo queue practice that serious and he's so young. So that's already a really bad sign like uh, coming in the next years because solo queue is such a big part of your career as a pro player. Um, and yeah, I just, they just play like shit, honestly. BDS looks horrible. Like um, I think Adam has still these games where he's really dangerous, 
and he still has these picks that are so annoying to draft against <laughs> for every everyone in the league, you know. Um, I think the meta has not been like the meta is kind of going back into nuclear in favor. I think like I think Azir's Azir's popularity is crazy right now. So when they get their hands on Azir, Adam on his pocket picks, uh, I, I I can see them doing uh, good in this season finals. But yeah, the jungler uh, is yeah. I just don't <laughs> I don't think he's good. I, I think he had a great split, but I I think he's not a good jungler. I'm the same as I'm the I'm the same as Gellis. Even people were like hyping up like Shield during the summer on like BTS. Spring, spring. Like spring, sorry, like spring. And then you went spring into like summer. I thought it was like you know like pulling back the curtain for like the Wizard of Oz because like when BDS is like a whole team like regressed and Shield was left to like carry map states like make good decisions independent of like lane advantages bought like make yeah. good decisions independent of free lane advantage when it would be like Cassiopeia into Annie you know what I mean like he could get himself into like risky situations at Raptors and bail out and know that like the Cassiopeia has gotten pushed but when we seen Shield independent of that we would see him make the exact same invade without the prio and it was actually a net negative play now I'm blaming Shield for that. Maybe like that's the thing they all agreed on on the team. Then they're all fucking maniacs. Like, okay, congratulations. I actually think that one of the biggest things that's worrying about BDS is Crowny. Like Crowny's yeah. games in terms of like where he was. Like watching those Samira games on Crowny from Crowny was those were rough. Those were really really rough to watch. Um, I I think it's super hard for them to beat like G two yeah. at all. I don't think they've ever been like a team I've ever favoured. Even when, you know, Mad Lions beat G2, I always said that if G2 managed to get to BDS, it would be like a bad matchup just because of the way like the bot lanes like match up. Hansama, Mickey X is a kill condition bot lane. Yike on like 66% of his picks is going to appear at your turret at level 3. If you're not there, you're getting dived. I mean, for me, it's also important how hard they get stomped. Like, mm. uh, if G2 completely destroys them 3-0 in a, like, really quick series, I think it could be putting some mental damage on them, and they're just, like, the next round they will just get eliminated. But if they take one or two games, maybe, are we really not likely to take two, but yeah. if they win one game in a good fashion, and they don't get stomped in some games, maybe they get some confidence from that series. Because usually... Playing a series with G2 is really good for you in that way. Like, even losing to G2, you can learn a lot, and you kind of get adjusted to their game pace. Like, you have a best of five, so every single game, you see what they're doing to you, right? And the the human brain is just like that. Like, you, you start learning, and you want to do that to the enemy in the next game as well. Uh, or you, like, defend better when they are invading, stuff like that. So I, I think it's good for BDS to go with G2 first. Quick question. This is going to sound so stupid. Maybe you can enlighten me here, Gilead. Who are the teams mm. scrimming? Because are all the upper bracket teams scrimming the opposite side of the bracket? Do you know at all? Uh, I think that's how it works, yeah. Do you yeah. know? I, uh, Mad yeah. is scrimming mainly SK. XL is scrimming oh. uh, G2. And, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, 
Right, okay, so they're actually scrambling the lower bracket teams, like, some, uh, as well. Yeah, I, I, don't know what, I, I, I don't know what the, the methodology was ahead of time. I just know who's scrimming who. Um, no, right, I'm, I'm I just curious because... I say how it's going, but yeah, it's just... What, BDS, one of the biggest disadvantages for me for BDS is they can't scrim G2. Mm. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean... I don't think that matters. No, as in, like, you could have practiced against them in scrims going up into, like, the game. Yeah, but it's like... not really practice when you face, like, BDS roster versus G2 roster in a scrim. In a scrim, everything is more loose, and the G2 players just completely smurf on, on them, probably. Like, that's more, like, bad for the mental. You, you rather get... No, you rather get destroyed in an official game by G2 than in scrims, because... You review these games, you really go like really full in depth, and you just realize how fucking shit you are. <laughs> yeah. Like, how dog shit of a team you are to like, you can't even play the game until minute 10 without falling behind with G2. And that is really bad for mental, I think. Yeah, I think okay. there's a this is like a phenomenon that's existed for a while where I've talked to people when the teams have been doing badly and then they will scrim like maybe they're even doing so badly they end up getting like bad erl scream scrim partners for like a week or something but weirdly that like rebuilds the confidence and then they start scrimming against yeah. like lower lec teams and then they start doing well on stage and it's like i think <laughs> it's always really bad to scrim like by far the best team when you're not particularly close to their level like it's gonna do nothing for you i mean you you know during vitality on my win streak when we were 6-0, we only got scrims versus G2 and Fnatic because they obviously thought we're the best team in the league. Mm -hmm. We're first in the standings. That is where our team started crumbling, you know? That's where everything went to shit because we were just getting fucking destroyed in scrims <laughs> like uh, by these teams. And we were not that... We, we were a team when we were scrimming the, lo the, the low, low elo teams. <laughs> the confidence was just like... Boosters, so you're you telling know? me you need to do the C9 five man in Korea solo no, no, match, the, mate. The only, the only that, exception, the only exception to this rule is when you boot camp for worlds. Then your the the player mindset is so different. They're like it's every scrim yeah. is to learn, and they don't yeah. actually care if they win. I mean, to win is cool, but like they don't really care if they win or lose. It's much more like we're farming these people for like game knowledge and stuff, you know? It's exactly. like very yeah. different mindset. I learned this yeah. from, I learned this in season four from, uh, like when I subbed in for SK at Worlds, uh, right before our first Worlds game where I had to play, uh, the Samsung White uh, coach came into our tent oh. and he asked us to scrim before the game. Uh, and then they instantly went into a huddle like the SK players, the, the, the deciders, you know, it's funny who it was. It was Freddy wanted to and rated like all these coaches, right? They're like, yeah, guys, this is a fucking terrible idea. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. And I was so mad because I really wanted to scrim them like uh, play with Dandy. I guess for them, it's different because they already scrimmed all these teams in, in Korea, right? And then I now I start understanding like right before in in a uh, uh, match on stage you don't want to get completely yeah, stomped yeah. in scrims yeah. like it's gonna just fuck with your your head you know that's the other thing as well like if you are booking a tough week of scrims have the game on Friday the scrims on Friday be like easy wins you know or yeah, like, yeah much more winnable because it like players are emotional creatures you know Kira you can't just be feeding them fucking losses all the time and expect them to feel good about themselves I, I, like. I, I just love the whole idea of home still participating in psychological warfare and just like <laughs> 
you know, just, basically just continues. It's what ten years later, and Holmes still doing the exact same things. It's impressive. Very, <laughs> that very. is actually. Impressive. I just like the idea that they were in a tent. Then, then yeah, we had we had those tents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but your point with the world thing, Rich, is uh, really insane. Like uh, the mindset is really different from players boot camping because they're actually trying to absorb as much information from the best players. Yeah. And you actually have a much better mindset. But when you're in the middle of a season and you're getting completely stomped in scrims, you don't have the time to improve in one day to fix I'm all just, the... Guys, no? the way you're talking about this, you're just like making my opinion of EU coaches and like people who are managing these teams like go down, down, down and down. Like who's actually instilling these like mindsets and these like learning patterns in these players? It just sounds like the most uncaptain ships like imaginable. <laughs> like it sounds fucking so bizarre. I think... Like, what do you mean? I, I think it's more well, what like you on the center? When, when you have when you're like scrimming week in week out like if you actually look at the volume of time players spend per day scrimming it's just it's I think it doesn't really matter how in just the, in this aspect I don't think it really matters how good or bad your coaches are that if you're losing like day after day and then you know it starts all again like next Monday after like stage play as well, and it's lost. Like it's so fucking draining. Like even if you have strong mental, I think you're it just completely saps it out of you. Like league seasons are so much momentum but based. This is it's whole, insane. Uh, this is whole under the paradigm. I'm just like scrimming like G two. Like you can sample it out that you scrim like G two a certain block. And oh yeah, no, no, no. Scrim, uh, this like, I agree. Scrim. Okay, this, yeah. yeah. So what he's what he's saying here about. Uh, uh, Gilius, by the way, which I agree with 100%, is I have seen a lot of examples where coaches will completely troll their scrim schedule, where it's like, maybe the team went 0-2 that week, and they're like, great news, guys, I got Fnatic on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, G2, like, Thursday, Friday, you know? And it's like, yeah, those are good scrim blocks, but in that context, they're bad. You want to, like, have a couple of, like, uh, maybe an easy one on Monday, then when they're feeling a bit better, then have the yeah. ones that push you, like two G2 like, and, uh, and then finish it easy and then get the confidence up. Like, that's normally... I understand, like, your point, Gilles, of, like, not, like, destroying your mental, just constantly throwing yourself at a brick wall, scrimming, like, G2, like, realising, holy shit, we're losing these games, like, 11 minutes, you can't get over the hump, you can't find, like, waves to do it, and you just, like, wreck your team into, like, mental boom arguments right but the problem, problem with that is is like first of all there's nothing to say those scrims have to go like that like bds could win scrims we don't know right second of all is you don't have to just scrim g2 i'm just saying like they have no access to g2 because they're playing them and so like like, would I mean, you yeah, say, like in, in playoffs obviously you never scrim against people you know yeah. you're gonna play like you just, that's yeah. just like number one number one rule it just depends on the level you're at as a team like i I was talking about my Vitality team, how we couldn't beat those teams in scrims, right? Yeah. But then I, when I played in Schalke, we were doing really well in scrims with G2 and Fnatic. It just depends on your roster and the personalities. Mm. Like, some teams are more emotional and momentum-driven, and some teams you actually want to... Uh, like, how, how do you say it? It just depends on the personalities, right? It's really different from team to team. And that, that Vitality team, it was better for us to win scrims, definitely. Yeah. Going into officials, it would give us confidence. In the Schalke team, it didn't matter. Like, we knew even when we're losing scrims, if we're, we, we feel if we're playing good, right? Sometimes you lose in a fashion where one play decides the game and you can still be happy about the loss, like, that you, like, you still played good, right? Yeah, no, I think um, 
to your to your overall point, Kira, I think that is actually one of the most important things for a coach to get right. And I've seen a lot of coaches get it wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my opinion on coaches over the years has not just been a little, super high. Uh, to, vet, uh, to go back, just to talk about like actual BDS in game. One of the weirdest like not phenoms or like problems I've seen with like BDS is actually like if you if you look how much they're reliant right now as a team on like Adam setting up like team fights and that for them. Um, it's almost I would describe it like an over reliance. This is one of the th things that's uh, sad about not having like Pro View and League of Legends something you, that you obviously have access to in LPL. Um, I'd be really interested in, like, who's, like, pinging or calling or, like, setting up uh, most of, like, the, like, the timings on, like, en engages and stuff like that. Because it looks... He has his own problems as a player, but, like, it looks like they have a massive, like, over-reliance on Adam in that department for, like, a lot of things. Well, they do... They, especially now, because, again, to your point that you made, Kira, I think Shio kind of got soft exposed when Crowney and Labrov stopped winning, like, the vast majority of their lanes. And then, obviously, you have Nuke, who was very, like, going even at worst, usually, when he was playing well in spring, right? And then Adam, who's being dominant in a lot of these lanes with his weird matchups and then Crowney and Labrov were like winning a lot of lanes. So I think once that happens or once that falls away rather and you're just left with Adam still every now and then like hard stomping his lanes, like everything, but you become over-reliant on it because what else are you going to do? Like bot lane's not winning, right? Like nuclear int's not always winning. So I think that's just like the nat you fall back on what's still strong. So yeah, I I'm not really sure how they counter it again i mean it's just bds are another team we were talking about um xl where i actually don't think i know they've got like the core of like french you know the french empire i think, i don't think they should be sticking together with the players they have no i, mean, I, I feel like i, 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 I feel agree. Like, well, like by the way mate, el yoya they're a team where it's like if you put el yoya and larson on that team it's like looking a lot although crowny now like i don't know my b my bds stream's kind of fallen apart a bit i've i've replaced yeah. it with my xl like if you put like I'll yo your last on XL, that's almost more appealing now than putting it on BDS. So yeah, I don't know, but I agree they should not be slaves to we have to have X French players. Adam will be there no matter what, and I think Adam is like worthy of his place for sure. So there you go. There's your there's your snippet of French. You don't need to rely on everyone else. And who knows? God, God Gilius is on the market again as of uh, November. So <laughs> you know, like, it's too early to jump to LSE. Don't, gonna... don't say that, Gilius. Mate, the plenty of GMs out there who like to make terrible decisions. You could be their next terrible decision. Let's not. Ooh, no, 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 not not in that case. I I think I would perform instantly well. I actually think I improved so much this year, and I learned some so much from that SK year. Um, I just think yeah, the GMs are just not ready to side me right now. They just need to see activity, me just like completely smurfing in ERLs and like. Yeah, we will see if I if I do it. Don't worry, Gillis, because I think they're all fucking shit anyway, man. I wouldn't care for their opinions. I know you've got to care for their opinions because you know that they decide if you're employed or not. But I, th I think if you look at the, some of these the rosters that some of these people have made year in year out, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Some people I don't know how they've not been sacked. I don't. Know, yeah. I just I just be uh, get 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 told that I'm too old. You know, I'm 26 so years old. Okay. I'm... The good thing is, I think. I tweeted about it the other day. I think this meme is like finally starting to die, though. I, I don't think like there's obviously there's always going to be a few people left who like sling their hat on terrible uh, takes and narratives. But I do think the game's been like going for so long now, and we still have so many players from like the old days, as it were, playing at yeah, like the, the top, 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 top level. 
that no, like even the best, some of the best players are some of the oldest sweaty. players. Mate, rookie is season. Best player ever. Yeah, rookie is like season three. Faker season three. Odo Yankos season so, four. Arguably season three because they were obviously playing like competitively yeah. before then. Like, the but you best... know why they're the best? Yeah, because uh, they've been competing for ten years. Yeah, you know what yeah, exactly. a what a massive advantage that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, this meme is decade. This meme's the dying. Age. I'm making sure no. this meme of being too old dies. First, die first of all, it's because the 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 whole age thing. First of all, obviously came across from like well, apart from my knowledge of esports, where I seen it was like TL.net. It's engagement and StarCraft Brood War, StarCraft Brood War, like Korean culture, and there's an age stigma in that game. Old people, bad mechanics, not as able, able, if you had girlfriends, wife, kids, you couldn't commit yourself to the game, you couldn't win because of those commitments, therefore age stigma. Um, say, somewhat, somewhat of a similar thing kind of happened in CS, but not so much, right? That's where like the stigmatism, and a lot of those people like went on to be the narrative drivers of League of Legends, StarCraft 2, and etc. And they brought that like stigmatism with them. Then when Chinese esports blew up with the LPL, they had a similar like stigmatism around like age. I don't know why they appear those yeah. things appeared. But you go. You know you know why like some stuff is just confusing to me. Like I I, I did a boot camp with SK before I played uh, in 2022. And we scrimmed EU Masters teams. The best EU Masters teams. We did a little bootcamp in Cologne to just get ready, you know, because we're a new team. Like we practice way before every everyone. And I was scrimming Yike and Sheo uh, at that time. And I instantly thought to myself, how fucking good is this Yike guy? Like, why am I forced to play 110%? Because like th th they, that team was just so cracked, you know. They were like they had extra kick. They had all these like they had a good top laner as well. It's like, why are these scrims so close? Why are we, are we not 5 0 them, you know? Why is it 3 2 or whatever, right? And then the next day, I scrim Sheo, the BDS team with Crowny, 5 0. And then we scrim them again. They cancel after two games because I did a triple kill on Vigo at Herald. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, okay, this Sheo guy is defin definitely sucks. This Yike guy needs to play LEC 100%. He's so insane. And then what confuses me in that year is like, wait, when did Chio do that second place? Was that this year? Yeah, yeah, spring. Yeah, that, that shit confused me. Because I was like, I, I, I remembered my scrims against him. I was like, this, this can't be real. This guy is that good. But now his, the real Chio is coming back. I guess the momentum Chio was, yeah, was pretty nuts, respect. But... Um, there's, if there's talents that are really good and are performing good in scrims, I have no problem. Like, sign them up, put them on the best team, like Yike. Let them, like, improve in a really rapid uh, rate, because they're young. They're going to learn so fast, right? Um, will they then perform in the important matches, because they are, like, 21 years old? We don't know. Depends on the player, right? But I think it's great to, like, find talents and, like, put them in the big... Like, like EU has been producing so many talents, right? But then when there's players from ERL who are actually not that good or they can't compete on the highest level and you still just sign them up because they're young and you're saving money on their contract, then I think that's bullshit, you know? Mm. And I don't like that. Like, I don't like that experienced players uh, get denied shots over young players like only because of like money or age or uh, yeah, some bullshit, you know?
But like Gillis, this has this has even happened to you, right? Okay, and this is just the same way as I was talking about fuel, right? I remember when you were coming through in 2013, 2014, you were described as being like a highly mechanical, like 1v1 style jungler. Like that's yeah. how you, regardless of whether or not this is true, I'm just saying this is how you were perceived, okay? Yeah. Right? But like, for example, do you think you are mechan as mechanically proficient as you were back then compared to now? I would, you think probably more so now. Or... I'm I'm so much better now. Mechanically. Yeah, you're so yeah you're so much better yeah. now mechanically. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The like you know the thing to the other junglers as well and the young yeah. junglers. Like, I play with Jake and I completely outplay him one on one, invade him. Like, yeah, I'm. But the I narrative still... around you wouldn't be that, mate. I'm I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just yeah, saying like fine. the yeah. yeah the narrative around you would not be. I just need to hit rank one. Go... I <laughs> need to just hit rank one. It's fine. No, but it's, it's so true though. Like every, it's so lazy that it, like people will just draw the smallest conclusions from everything and be like, ah, and because they're getting older, it means his hands are gone. Like people have told Otto his hands have been gone for like seven years at this point, and he's still there. Every oh, you know what? split. Same for Yankos. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But but the thing in my case is, if Yike plays four solo queue games a day, and I play, uh, I guess nine solo queue games a day then like i can play against him i'm a guy that needs to fucking spam the game to the death like when i i the, the way i work is the more i play the more insane i become and i start dreaming about league i start thinking about league I totally I, like my brain just needs to consume league of legends and i need to be like grinding the game where okay when i was in my earlier years when i was 21 22 i could play one solo queue a day and i would still smurf in scrims mm. i guess that's the main difference now but i'm willing to do the extra games like i'm just getting older so my brain is trying to change to like uh, back then i didn't think about fucking laundry or like <laughs> cooking or um paying the fucking rent stuff like that was not on my mind back then so it was much easier to just yeah, like take it easy, right? But right now, the older I get, the more responsibilities I get. I know how to get myself into that young, young Gilius zone, though. Like I just need to block everything out and just play league. So yeah, that's how so, it is. Hot tip for all the young players out there: stay in your mom's basement for as long as possible, so you get 100%. that no responsibility buff. I love it. Right, let's move on to our final topic, which is obviously just SK and Fnatic. Bit of a broad one here, but obviously depending on how these other series go will depend on then who plays who. It's a little bit weird and complicated, but G2 could end up playing SK if they lose, but they won't lose. It's all all very weird. So I'm just going to keep it simple and not talk about hypothetical matchups, but instead ask you this, Gilius, which is do you see either of these teams being able to sort of be very competitive and reach the final, maybe play G2 in a, a decent final? Or do you think that we're not really going to find much uh, competitive juices here and these guys are just participation trophies? What do you think of these teams, SK and Fnatic? Mm. Ooh. I mean, I, I, I really hope that Fnatic turns it up because then we can get an insane final. G2 versus Fnatic. So uh, just quickly on this. So you're obviously, this is a, a, a take that a lot of people have had, including myself, I think, including Kira as well, which is if Fnatic can hit what we believe their ceiling is, then the best, most fun matchup is Fnatic versus G2. 
Only problem is we've now seen multiple, multiple, multiple series where Fnatic is just bleh. Like, do, do you, are you still on board with the, like, if Fnatic hits top gear? Like, do you still believe in that? Do you still think that's a thing that can happen? No, it's just, like, being delusional, you know? <laughs> like, hoping for the, the most entertainment. Like, I, I saw I saw Excel how far they their ceiling went and then getting, like, completely stomped by G2. So I lost hope in Excel beating G2. So my last hope would be... I guess, yeah, like Mad Lions uh, or Fnatic. If, like, SK, obviously, if they are that team, I would be extremely happy. I just think it's very <laughs> unlikely to beat G2. Um, but, yeah, like, Fnatic, they are they are really garbage here. Yeah? Like, I, I watch their best of fives. They have no clue what they're doing. They lost all their good stuff from regular splits. I don't know what happened. Maybe they just became cocky and... What did you think was good? I think Noah and Trimby were great. I think Razog was doing some work. Um, I think Noah... I, I'm on a different one. I think Noah during Reg, I was surprised the amount of praise that he was getting. I actually think he was a bit of a passenger. Like, he, if he actually... I don't uh, think so. I think Noah contributed very little to whether or not Fnatic actually won games or not. I was the vehicle for like most of the victories was like Razork from Reg. Yeah, Razork was doing good, but I think once Noah had two or three items, he was an unkillable AD carry just positioning wise, and he was just carrying. Like, there's a reason why this guy went deathless for so many. Like, his KDA was crazy. He was like going even in losing matchups. Did you think he produces his own advantages as much? Like, when I take away Razork, right, I, I took away Ra yeah. the advantages we produced for Noah, right? And I now have Noah, instead of an item ahead, he's on the same amount of on the same items. He's winning me now, like, none of the team fights. No, he, I think I think Noah was doing just that. I think he was winning the team fights. I, 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 so what do you think happened for Noah going into the next bit? I think, uh, like, like, the way... Um, I will dominate like scholars, like skill skill vampires happened. What does that explain? For anyone who doesn't know what I, skill I vampire mean, what does that mean? It's just like uh, once Korean players are staying too long in, in oh, Germany okay. or in America, <laughs> yeah, 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 they just the the level just goes down, you know. And that's uh, that's the huge advantage of these Korean players. Before they come into our region, they get to enjoy Korean solo queue. They they are just like insane and then they come to our region and at one point they also uh, plateau, you know? So but I love I love this expression, but I think in Noah's case this is bullshit, in my opinion. I think yeah, that... Is... I think he that... played on Zero Tenace, uh, that team. Zero Tenace? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. So you could see him in EU solo queue and you could see him in EU for like a like a, a year before he went on Fnatic. Also, e what, EU... what happened then? In solo queue, he's not that great right now. Like EU has lots of uh, really oh, good AD oh, carries, though. Like, I think it's one position where... I don't know what happened. Internationally, <laughs> I, mean, I think these guys, like, would be fine. Like, if, if EU goes to Worlds, right, and does, like, badly, I don't think anyone will be blaming the ADs. Let's put it that way. I think that's, like, the one position and jungle a little bit where we actually stack up okay-ish against the West. I think we get destroyed in top. I think we currently get destroyed in mid, which is really sad because that used to be, like... Thing, I think right? we get stomped Teddy um, carry by the way, Rich. I think it's. I think by like the like the elite. I think like ruler and uh, deft and you know like who's, the who's not good that they're sending. Haze. 
Yeah, who sure. They, not, who they send in is not good. That's a problem. Yeah, Aiming. I guess. Yeah, maybe. No, maybe. no chance. By the way, Eddie Carey position is completely gapped as well. Yeah, maybe I'm on. I'm on some uh, focus. Our, maybe, but it's the closest yeah. one. It's the closest role, but it's still. And I think our, our only hope is uh, caps. That's it. Like uh, in mid lane. There's really? only one one player that can compete versus the Asian mids. Then it's and doomed. Our, <laughs> then it's and, doomed. And, and jungle-wise, I guess, I think we're fine. Like, I think, yeah, I think the jungle I think is once, fine. Yeah, I think jungle is fine. The meta helps out there. But the, the reason yeah, I'm yeah. so I think this is, like, one of the worst, like, things for Caps anyway. I'm surprised you went on Caps. Like, I'm a big Caps fan, and this is like, probably been Caps' worst individual year for me. Um, mm. Just to go back to like what you were talking about, like why caps in the worst individual year? Yeah, I think so. This has been caps as worst individual year. I mean, I mean, I, I guess I can see it. The other splits, he was not that great. What but I think, uh, like, uh, I mean, we have three splits. Oh, you, oh, oh, this year. Okay, oh, you like, think he was uh, in summer? Yeah, in summer he's fucking insane. Yeah, summer he's... was his, was and, summer was his and, best one. Yeah, that's the mo like okay. If we talk about overall year, I agree. Caps didn't have the greatest of years, like compared to the other years. But um, his summer is so insane that I have so much hope for him going into Worlds. But for example, even look at like his like uh, laning, like his Jace laning, his Lucian laning, uh, like more unconventional like pick on the Lucian, obviously, into like Abadagi. I don't think it's anything to write home about, and Abadagi is not some like world. I'd go, I'd go further than that. I think the caps in the regular season and in a couple of series was like very good in summer i think his laning is just straight up not good like on an international level i think he's actually bad at laning like i think he will yeah. as big as the other gaps are in other areas he will get turbo stomped in lane like he is such a good player and has so many qualities that he can match in some other areas but for some reason in eu right now again we talked to abba about this for some reason eu mids just suck at laning it's so weird like yeah no pressure no like uh people aren't taking advantage of lethals like people aren't even really trying to it's like we're just gonna play agree like gentlemen's agreement you know to like just hit the wave it's really weird so i'm very worried about that yeah right. but uh like historically speaking who who of the eu mids has I mean, caps is our only hope. No matter what you guys, no matter what you guys say right now, if we go back in the past, caps is our only hope. Larson, last, last, last world. Has never been bad. Yeah, but last is out. Last is out. I know he's out. That's true. If you're going on narrative, then humanoid. He's not as good domestically, but against all the Asian mids, he was better. I guess, yeah, I can like, see Scar right. Faker, um, Showmaker was his worst one at Worlds, but they gave him the business at MSI. So, they, but I don't really believe in Humanoid this year, so why am I making that argument? Um, <laughs> nah, I'm just being honest I, with you. Just giving you a counterpoint. It's, it's looking, really. yeah, no, it's looking a bit rough. It's, it's looking rough. It's, it's looking rough. really rough. Yeah. <laughs> can I just uh, track back a little bit? I actually think it's really uh, interesting about, like, where things kind of went wrong with like Noah because I actually think when like Noah had to try and like independent of like having like leads himself and like front front running them into enemy teams I think that's Noah at his like best I think he does that like well the problem is is Fnatic as like a team when they do not get like those picks onto Noah I actually think he's not good at like receiving pressure like see when they almost got back into the I think it was XL, and he was on Zeri, and he, like, dies mid, along with, like, Trimby on Alistair. Um, 
and like they like they, they had just killed XL and like a massive like team fight got oh, back into the four, game. I think. Yeah, I think it was game four, and they get just got back into the game. They're literally in a position. The only and they I think they've just gotten Baron, and Fnatic decide to play Baron on three lanes instead of two. And the midsection like dies right now that was like a test for noah to realize yeah. in that game in that moment what are, what can lose me the situation what can lose us the game and he didn't like assess it properly and like and that i think what's what's happening with fanatic is they are so insane this regular split everyone was so hyped about them and then when the the games where the pressure is on come in they just like falter yes mm. they don't they're just a team they, they just don't have the personality for playoffs like the players, I think Oscar that's the biggest. Yeah, Oscar Renan was way worse, like under pressure. Like irrelevant, a player that I'm not even that big on, right? Okay, gave he was yeah, mm. oh, he smurfed all over fucking yeah, yeah. Oscar Renan's face, right? Um, Oscar Renan played the GP um, Nar match out matchup, a matchup he should be very comfortable with. He played it like pretty badly, like he did not play it very well. Um, and like you know, what I mean, irrelevant took those leads and ran over the top of Fnatic. I, I'm I, I it's weird League of Legends is so weird for narratives because at this point I'm not going to try and start a narrative you would think there would be a, a choking narrative around Razork you'd actually oh, think 100%. why has a, a narrative around why Razork cannot convert like I was saying Gilles during the regular season in the summer uh, Razork was one of the only junglers in Europe playing all three lanes like he could yeah. uh, like protect all three lanes and then gank the, like for example that the regular season game versus G2 where he's on Viego he burns every single lane's flash and he's a trimby bubble and Nami away from getting a double kill bottom before Yike has done like anything that's like total jungling but for me that looked like irreplicable like he wasn't going to be able to keep that level up no, no, and, never, yeah. and, yeah, and then players came around and what happened? Like, I'll tell you like, why. Yeah. I'll tell you why it doesn't exist, why no one thinks Razor's a choker. It's because mainly of Humanoid. Because Humanoid is such a weird player, like up and down, like getting rando killed in mid, like then he'll have a pop-off game, whatever. People always talk about like, if Fnatic can get Humanoid and Razork to work, it'll be great. So their success is like always tied together. So no it one ever work. says no one ever says Razork's choking, right? Because they're like, oh, but his mid's trolling. They always say that, like, oh, but Humanoid's trolling, right? That's like uh, yeah, that's a narrative. So you can't call, so in people's heads, you can't call Razork a choker if his mid's trolling. Basically, I think this. I, is I, th I think it's still impressive that Fnatic kept this mid jungle duo yeah crazy, for right? like how long has it been like they didn't they they didn't find success for a few years together and they still play together it's two years it's, it's, it's over it's years. over guys let's give up like, come on I everyone. Hope so, yeah. Yeah. but if you, just... actually look, if you actually look at Fnatic, it actually should be like relatively uh, uh, emotionally unstable oscar Renan, like rookie top like new to completely new to the game new environment razork i'll say nothing more humanoid Take what you wish. Then you've got Noah, can't speak language like Korean, rookie, and you've got Trimbe, someone who's like infamous for his like reported emotional instability, tilt factor, stuff like that. So when I actually look at Fnatic's failings, it actually does make sense. Like I do yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. Why, it's a badly constructed. It's a lots of really good players, but badly constructed team. Like, yes, yeah. yes, yes. But here's the thing. I think one of the parts that like makes like uh that didn't make a lot of sense to me was one of the things I liked about uh, Fnatic during regular season is they had very consistent, like, draft and pick identities. As in, like, a lot of the time, they weren't, like, forcing Trimby on to, like, engage. Or, like, for example, the Alistair. They understood, like, who Trimby was as, like, a player. Like, he's an enchanter specialist, mostly. 
and can play like certain like other protective engage picks like Rakan, uh, Tam Kent, right? They went into playoffs and they had like Humanoid playing like Annie's at some point. They had Trimbe on dedicated like engage. And I don't think they need to do that. I feel like they overcompensated. Now, I don't know what's going on happening in scrims. You know what I mean? So I can't see what's teaching them or informing them of these informations. But when I look at, like, the comfort of, like, what Fnatic want to be doing, it didn't suggest to me, like, that, like those were, like, the the way those people should be playing, if you get what I mean. Yeah, no, it's, it's a weirdly put-together team, and I think their drafting kind of went... Yeah, they they like outdrafted themselves almost yeah. in like certain series. But well, Excel very... were like so like I remember when we had Abadago on the show, I wanted to ask him about a bunch because everyone memed Excel's drafting, and the only thing I could say was they should have maybe just tried banning Cogmo one game yeah, out yeah, of yeah. the eight that they played. That's the only criticism I could have. But I think like when when I look at the adaptations, when they removed the the Draven ban, I didn't see anyone talking about it. Like nobody was giving them props for that. They, they were basically just like, yeah, play it. And yeah. like G two didn't, and, and so also they, they, they gained, were drafting they against the team who have the most picks. Like yeah, exactly. So they were playing on hard mode, and they did fine, you know. And I think it's hilarious how China is a contrast to EU drafting, because like JDG goes down in the series, and uh, and like they they start losing some games in the finals. The next game, uh, Dom and me we are like speaking about what they should ban next game, and Dom is like. Yeah, these three champs that they left open, they just got completely fucked by. They should probably ban those three. Mm. I was like, man, that's a good idea. We look at JDG's bans. They just banned the three champs that completely fucked them the last two games. And they win. Yeah, it's like in, in EU, you have a prep. Like you have a draft. Like your set bans. You, you lose the game. No, yeah, you lose the game. And then you just ban the same stuff again. Instead of actually looking what you lost to last game... And like uh, changing events, they just spend the same and then they just lose again. But, but for example, just to have a point, like home is like quite unique in terms of like, if you ever hear him like talking about like him, where mm -hmm. he's one of those coaches that believes like players on picks are, uh, actually change the champion. Like he genuinely believes they like should. Knight. That's the, that like, is the um, right attitude. Uh, yeah, but some people don't believe that, for example. Like Knight yeah. Ari, he believes should be uh, like when they're in death die, when they were down in the series in the final, right? He would, you would always have known Knight was going to pick Ari. I would have, I, I wish I could have bet on Knight Ari because I knew it was going to happen. I would have known Ruler Zaya was coming in. Like, I would know for a fact that 369 is going to play Gragas. I knew yes, Kanabi yes. was going to play mm -hmm. Wukong because, like, he literally just went, right? Everyone on the team, pick pick your favourite champion yes. at any given point in the draft. Base. And that's the hill. That's base that's drafting, by the no, way. No, but I'm saying that's I respect the, that, by the way. Yeah, but that's the hill that they're, like, going to die on, right? Yeah. Regardless of, like, anything. And then Missing's just told to make it make sense with Brom, right? Um, unlucky missing. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, but like, that's like completely different to like, um, you would never see like that like type of like game or style, where I agree with Gillis, you would never see them like doing yeah. it. And the thing is, they'll go in prepping and knowing that's how they're going to pick, somewhat regardless of what the enemy team are going to pick. Yeah, I, ha I, <laughs> hate, I hate in Europe that like teams are such a slave but, to their uh, prep work. And it's like, if you're in a series and there's a pick and you're like, oh, but it shouldn't be doing good. So we're not going to ban it. It's like, who yes, gives a fuck? Just fucking ban it anyway, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, can, I, can I give the counter to it though, to be honest? Was GDG versus FKT at Worlds last year? It's the exact same coach home, right? And he does, he does the exact same thing. 
But the problem is, his player is Yagao, and it just doesn't work as well. Because that's sure, the hell yeah. he's like willing to die on. And then he looks like he's inning draft instead. Yeah, you but then I mean? you just have to own it and like explain yeah. yourself like it's fine, you know. But there's nothing that tilts me more than when I like in a green room after a game and we've just lost or something. And I and the coach will say like, oh, how did you feel in that matchup? It seemed pretty rough. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, but you know, I just maybe I slightly misplayed like wave two, but it's fine. It's not a problem. It shouldn't be a problem. Plays it again. Same thing happens. And then like the next game is like, nah, we shouldn't be banning that. It's not OP. It's like, shut the fuck up. Just ban it. And then it. you go three, and then yeah. you go zero three. Exactly. Yeah. It's so annoying. <laughs> I hate it's it. It's crazy. I hate no, it. like, uh, sometimes as a coach, you just need to... The, the players come into the room, like, yo, we're banning this champ next game. And then the player will maybe look at you weird or want to talk. No, no. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, you're going to play a different matchup. I'm banning it. Just move on. Yeah. One last question, just because I'm curious, Gillis. I know, yeah. like, you're on Dom stream a lot, um, like, giving opinions. I just... I, I didn't hear, I didn't see any sound bites for... Who do you think was the best jungler across the whole Bazinga, like the whole like year? Uh, the whole year? Yeah, who do you think was the best? Oh. Who do you think was the best going across the whole year? I'll tell you my opinion, I think it was Yike. I think Yike was the best in winter, then, and then it was, it was arguably one of the, maybe the best again in summer. And then he was like, oh. pretty good in the spring. I thought we were talking about LPL junglers. Uh, no, yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Yike, probably the best. Um, yeah, I think Yike without a question, honestly. Better than Even though, actually, I mean, the problem with Yankos is he's just like so bad teammates, right? Mm, yeah. Like, it's yeah. just, it's so unfair. Like, a jungle role is so dependent on like lane pressure. Mm -hmm. Like, if if Jankos was on G2, I think they would be doing really hot as well. Mm. Like, right now, because Yankos looks like a great flawed player to me, where, like, the first 15 minutes of, like, Yankos' game right now is still very good, but independent of his, like, team teammates, I sometimes think he, like, doesn't team fight that well. Yes, or, like, I miss, agree, I agree. Yeah, or miss plays and skirmishes, which is fine, which, as I've said, he's, like, a flawed, like, great player. It, it doesn't have to be the person's terrible, the person's, like, great. I, like, for example, one of, like, Yike's, like, biggest, like, issues is, like, sometimes he'll, like completely prioritize like the wrong lane to like accelerate like he's he'll be like top side when it's like um like he should be like around mid or like they'll start an early herald but bb bb is a really good salesman mm -hmm. like i i played in a team with bb his comms like let, let's say back then neon would make a call like gilius i want you to be here and then bb would like always counter call like bb is that kind of player yeah, I, I have a slow push right now. If you are here in one minute, we can dive this guy. Like, he's just a really good salesman. And then you're thinking, Neon just gave, gave me, like, a half-ass call where I'm not sure <laughs> the mm. outcome is going to be. BB already gave me the... Full info, yeah. Yeah, like, the ending of the, the play. Like, we dive this guy, and then we get Herald. Yeah, I'm going top. So, <laughs> it's like, I can, I, I can understand why Yike is, Yike is top so much, you know. It's just a great but salesman on top. But what's really crazy is the most iconic play I think of G2 is like the level 3 slash 4 dive bottom. Like in winter they've almost done it every single like yeah, game yeah. and it every was like game. exploding, they exploded like game upload. And what's really strange is, I don't know, maybe he's been on uh, The Apprentice and BB's been improving his sales pitch plans because yet, instead of just being bottling and getting his like ADC that we all agree here, we're European as the best role, right? Yikes actually just yep. like, no. Like, I'm going to be anathema to that, and I'm going to attempt to accelerate my 
Fooling. I also think that uh, Mickey and Hans have been so good in bot on their own. <laughs> like, they're just being chilling on their own as well without jungle pressure right now, 100%. which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So. Also, uh, I think Hans and Mickey must be realizing that when you want to go international and you want to go far, you actually need your yes. top side to be smurfing and you need to be able to use your top side to win the game. Because yeah. <laughs> most of the time, man, when the best teams in the world play against each other in these international events, it comes down to the top 2v2 or mid 2v2. Where in EU, most of the time, the way you win the split is just like through bot. And Scale, I know it's. 80 carry, team fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so you need to be flexible. And I think G2's aim is actually to go really far at Wills. So I, I can see why Hans and Miki are also good at playing defensive now. Awesome. Okay. But anyway, yeah, thanks for joining us, Gilius. That's going to be much, all of it okay. from us today. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time, which will probably be after finals, I guess, which is fucking miles yeah. away. So on like the 10th of September or something. So I, I guess in a, in a few months. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> thanks for watching, Never even guys. thought about that. See you then.